The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We are engaged in a study on the book of Hosea. And we're going to be looking at Hosea chapter 1 this morning. So if you have a Bible, you can open it to Hosea chapter 1. If not, um, all the passages should be on the screen this morning. We want to welcome any visitors that we might have. We're we're glad that you're with us today. Um, We hope that you'll find uh, what we do here uh, pleasing and also according to God's uh, scripture. Uh, If you have any questions, be sure and uh, ask uh, myself or maybe one of the elders or deacons. Hosea 1 and verse 2, we looked at verse 1 last week, which is um, uh, names some of the kings and kind of sets the scene as often books do. And then verse 2 gets into the message. And so it says, the first time God spoke to Hosea, he said, find a whore and marry her. And make this whore the mother of your children, and here's why. This whole country has become a whorehouse, unfaithful to me, God. The book of Hosea opens with these shocking words. But for many of us, these words are not shocking at all. There's a couple reasons for this. First, the language is not shocking because we have become accustomed to it. We hear language like this all the time. It's become common. We hear it at work, we hear it on our favorite TV shows, we hear it when we go go out to a restaurant or maybe to the grocery store. We live in a day and age where language is not getting better. Instead, it's becoming uh, more vulgar. According to a recent study of popular songs, there has been a sharp decline in the reading level of, of these songs. And so the top songs in 2005 read between a third and fourth grade Uh, level. But as of 2014, the top songs that you hear on the radio now read somewhere between a second and third grade level. And so the lyrics of songs are becoming less intelligent and filled with more vulgarities. Worse than this, the theme that we find in Hosea has been turned into cute little feel-good movies. And so we are familiar with films like the best little whorehouse in Texas, or Pretty Woman. And we're, we're more familiar with these films than we are with the message of Hosea. Prostitution has become something to laugh about. We've turned it into a musical starring Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds. We've tried to make it pretty when there's nothing pretty about it. And what is sad is that prostitution is still alive and well today, and millions of women and children are affected by it. Did you know that trafficking women and children for sexual exploitation is the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world? At least 20.9 million adults and children are bought and sold worldwide into commercial sexual servitude, forced labor and bonded labor. We thought we got rid of slavery. Slavery is alive and well today. Prostitution is not cute. 
It's not funny. It's not something to laugh about. It's ugly. It's disgusting. And God understands this. The people of Israel understood this. The subject matter of Hosea is serious. And we should not take it lightly. A second reason we don't find these words in Hosea shocking is because we don't think they apply to us. We think we're better than the people of Hosea. We think that we're nothing like that church at Corinth. We think that, you know, we would never deny Jesus like Peter did. We'd never lie like Abraham lied or, or commit adultery as David did. And we somehow think that we're above all of this. And this is something that hu- all humans do. Uh, we do it in politics. Our side is always right and the other side is always wrong. It doesn't matter. We do it with our favorite sports team. Uh, our, our team always follows the rules. Our coach is more ethical than the coach for the other team. Um, we see ourselves as the good guys. And part of the human condition is that we always see ourselves in the right. And instead of talking about our sins or our problems, we like to talk about the sins and problems of our neighbors. This is what the Pharisees did, and Jesus would not allow it. They saw themselves as the righteous. They saw themselves as the only ones who are doing right in the eyes of God. They were the only ones who were going to be saved. But when Jesus came, He challenged all their notions. They wanted to talk about other people's sins. But Jesus pointed out they had plenty of sins of their own to talk about. And Jesus, what He often did, is He would make Samaritans the good guys in His stories. And according to the Pharisees, the Samaritans were unfaithful lawbreakers. They were unclean. And a good Pharisee, a good Jew, was not to associate with them. And so Jesus came and He showed us that one of the worst things that we can do is divide ourselves into us versus them, the good guys versus the villains. Because the truth is, the reality is, we are all sinners in need of the grace of God. We've all fallen short. None of us get it right. And we all need Jesus, and the sooner we realize this, the better. And so we need to understand Hosea in its original context, but we also need to understand that Hosea applies to us. The word that God spoke through this prophet nearly 3,000 years ago is a word still for us today. And this is why the book has been passed down from generation to generation. This is why it is still in our Bibles. It's not a history book. It's not there to simply remind us of the past. The Word is living and active. And it's God's Word for us, and we need to prepare our hearts to receive the Word of the Lord. So as we begin to look at chapter 1 this morning, we come to the the most famous part of Hosea. The first three chapters of this book tell the story of Hosea's life. And then this is followed by oracles 
um, or you can think of them as kind of small sermons that were preached by the prophet. But before we get to those oracles, before we get to those sermons, we need to hear the story. And so let us begin Hosea chapter 1 and verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom for forsake, by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and she bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all, but I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. And when she had weaned No Mercy, she conceived and bore a son, and the Lord said, Call his name, not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. God calls Hosea to go and to marry a prostitute. And this seems quite unusual. This doesn't seem like something the God of the universe would command. But God's making a point. Hosea is to live out what God has been living for many years. Marriage is a covenant. It's a covenant that is not to be broken. But God calls Hosea to marry someone who will break the covenant over and over and over again. And God is showing Israel what they have done to him. But this is not all. Hosea and his wife are to have children, and God tells them what they are to name these children. And this is not unique. Uh, names throughout the Bible have meaning. We find a similar passage in Isaiah chapter 7 where the names of children carry an important message, sort of a prophecy. But the one big difference between Isaiah chapter 7 and Hosea 1 is that in Isaiah, the children were given names as a message of hope. But in Hosea, the names carry a message of judgment. And so Hosea is to name his children Jezreel because he is bringing an end to the house of Israel. And lo ruhamah, which means no mercy, because God will no longer have mercy on Israel. And finally, lo ami, which means not my people, because Israel is no longer his people. And so the book of Hosea opens... And it seems as if there is no hope. It seems as if it is over before it ever begins. You know, it's kind of like watching the movie Titanic. You know the ship is going to sink. So why spend three hours watching the movie? You know, it's inevitable. 
No matter how many times you watch it, the ship's still going down. Okay? This is a strange way to begin an announcement. It's a strange way to start a book. It's a strange calling for a prophet of God. But we need to remember one thing. We need to read Hosea in its entirety because we're going to discover some surprising things. We know how Titanic is going to end. And there's nothing that that anyone can do to change that. But God is the author of Hosea. And we think the story is going to go one way, and yet it goes another. We're anticipating one end, and we're surprised to discover something entirely different. And so Hosea has more in common with the movie The Sixth Sense than it does Titanic. It has a surprise ending. God tells Hosea to name his children No Mercy. He tells them to name his child, You're Not My People. And then in the very next verse he says, Yet, yet, the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered, And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. Israel has sinned. Israel has fallen short. Israel has violated the covenant repeatedly. They have committed adultery against God. The law is clear. They deserve death. God does not have to keep His end of the covenant. The book of Hosea could have ended at chapter 1, verse 9, and God would have been justified. No more mercy, you are not my people, the end. And if you're going to follow the letter of the law, then that's how it should have ended, right there. The screenplay has been written. The end is clear. But God is the director. And He changes the story. This is who He is. His name means, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. And He explains this in Hosea 11.9. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. God does not have to follow the screenplay because He is God and not a man. And with God, all things are possible. This is why we can't put God in a box. God is full of grace and mercy. He saves those who do not deserve saving. He loves those who do not love Him back. He blesses the good and the evil. He comes to know mercy and He says, mercy. He comes to not my people and He says, you are my people. He says, we're going down to the courthouse. We're going to change those names. 
God will be who he will be. And this is good news. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you thought that that you reached a dead end? You know, you just couldn't see a way out. There was no hope, and, and you just didn't know what to do. Well, this was Israel's situation. They had reached a dead end. It should have been over for them. But there was one factor that changed all of this. They had God on their side. He should have let them go. He should have let them destroy themselves and start over. But His love for them would not allow it. These were His people and He could not let them go. And so God made the impossible possible. God doesn't give up on us. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing, nothing that will separate us from God's love. Israel turned their back on God, but God didn't turn His back on them. He kept pursuing them. He kept loving them. He kept trying to win them back. And so the book of Hosea is not about how we feel about God. It's about how God feels about us. And what we discover is amazing. God's love is deeper, purer, and greater than we imagine. It's a love that reaches us wherever we go. It's a love that never ends. It's a love that never gives up. We're told about this love in Hosea, but we're shown it in the Gospels. Jesus is spat upon. He's mocked. He's beaten. He's hung upon a tree. But he he still finds the strength within him to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so love reaches down from the cross and love forgives the guilty. And that same love is available to all of us. In the words of Paul, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Let's pray. Father of mercy, Father of grace, we come before you at this time. We thank you for who you are and what you have done and what you will do. And Father, there are probably some people here this morning who are in a situation where they can't see a way out. We've all been there in our lives. We've all been down in the dumps. We've been in the pit. We've been without hope. But we know that you are a God who makes a way where there is no way. That you make rivers in the desert. 
And we know, and we know that no matter how we feel about you, we know how you feel about us. And we know that even when we have a bad day, that you're still loving us. And you're still pursuing us, and your grace still reaches us. And we're thankful for this, Father. We are thankful for your grace, we're thankful for your mercy, we're thankful for your faithfulness. You are faithful when we are not faithful. Most of all, Father, we're thankful for what you have done through your Son, Jesus, by coming to this earth, by serving, by teaching us how to live, and by showing us the greatest love of all on the cross. We pray this in His name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you have not responded to the love of God, then we want to extend an invitation to you if you have not put on Christ in baptism, we'd love to uh, help you with that this morning. If, if you have questions about that or would like to study about that, then we would love to do that with you as well. If you're a child of God and need the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ, then, then we can do that for you this morning too. Won't you come now as we stand, as we sing?